0: Joy, the resistance. Come on, let's start by how we practice. The David Jason. Hello,
1: all y'all, and welcome to Pop Culture Continuum. This is John Elliott. This is Patrick Riccardi, and I don't have a southern
2: accent like John, unfortunately.
1: This, well, I'm trying to, uh, I'm trying to represent Atlanta for, for tossing out that uh, Democratic candidate. Ugh. Good job, Georgia.
2: Well, let's not put that on Atlanta. It was a suburb, right?
1: Yeah, I think it was.
2: Um, the suburbs of Atlanta that oh, I don't know if it's the same suburbs, but this is, aggravates me so much, and we'll talk about it since this is what this episode's about: uh, commerce and public. Uh, policy in atlanta and their suburbs is they build a new stadium there not they didn't vote at all people didn't vote at all it was all through the city council and they just pushed it through and it's the worst deal ever and they didn't need a new stadium and it's against traffic and they didn't have any money to build new new like new public transportation or anything so just a huge mess
1: so geez man i've heard of like city council being so bold on something like that (laughs) because that's like a shitload of money too and then to
2: make matters worse, they said, well, it's not going to cost us any money, but it doesn't cost them any money because they take money that would have gone to public parks and schools and pay for the pay for the stadium. Oh, yeah. And there was no like it was like a surprise announcement. There was no public comment at all. So everybody who did that lost their jobs as city councilmen. But I just imagine that they're somehow working for the Braves they're getting paid. anyway. Yeah. Uh,
1: but speaking of sports stadiums, so we're losing all our fucking teams here in Oakland. Um, I don't know what's going to happen to our stadiums. I mean, I guess concerts—that's it. Like big concerts. Um, well, what happens in
2: the the Warrior Stadium when the basketball team is not playing there?
1: That's what. That's where they'll do concerts. I mean, now. I mean, before the, like
2: in the off season, what usually happens? Yeah, it's like cons-
1: concerts and like Disney on Ice and whatever the you know, mm-hmm. the Barnum and Bailey. I guess they're gone. Um, but I. So here's... I First of all, I don't understand why they're called the Golden State Warriors. Like, when I was a kid, I thought that they were in Sacramento. I was like, because nobody wants to be called Sacramento, right? So they're just <laughs> going Golden State. Um, until I realized there was the Sacramento Kings. I was like, oh, fuck. Oh, they're Oakland. Why don't they call them the Oakland Warriors? Because they're going to move to San Francisco, and I guarantee you the assholes in San Francisco are going to, like, really push for them to be called the San Francisco Warriors. Anyway... They yep. were called the San Francisco Warriors when they first got there.
2: Yeah, yeah. I don't know why they changed their name. But they're really a Philadelphia team, so I don't like you stealing them.
1: Are, were they originally Philadelphia?
2: Yeah, yeah. It's where Wilt Chamberlain played and had lots of lovemaking.
1: Why are you going to name your kid after vegetables being cooked? It's really weird. Um, or, you know, like flowers drooping. In any case, this week, we're talking about...
2: I, I think we're just talking about sports stadiums, right? Oh, there's is a 2 Joshua Tree versus Radiohead OK Computer? Yes.
1: 30 years for the Joshua Tree and 20 years for OK Computer. Um, so both uh, considered classic albums, I think. So I think so, yeah. We'll start with the Joshua Tree uh, since it's older and... I saw them on the original tour, and I saw them on this reunion tour. Original tour was better. No big surprise. Bono could still sing then. It's taken
2: me the entire time we've, we've been listening to these to remember that 30 years ago is 1987 and not, not 1997. So go me.
1: You? I don't know what your deal is with years, dude. You, mm? You're like adding a whole decade?
2: Yep. I don't know
1: why, because I was thinking about...
2: Is just I, th- I think I was thinking about REM. I was like, "Wow, this is way after REM was big. This is a full ten years after." And I'm like, "No, REM was nope. they're kind of they're
0: uh,
1: REM was yeah had their first actual hit with the one I love in the, the year of our Lord, 1987." Uh, yeah, but this was like, this was I guess when you two got super huge because they were kind of big mm-hmm. before with. Like war and the unforgettable fire, because like pride in the name of love, I know was a hit over here, like a modest hit. Um, but this was like the I- first number one album with number one singles. So,
2: and, and they were touring on all the the Un- unforgettable fire stuff. And what's what, under a blood Wedge sky? Is that a, t- a live album?
1: Yeah, that's uh, the from the war tour. Uh, okay, A3, and so they're touring.
2: Yeah. They're touring based on. I never remember war. I mean. I know my brother got that when when it first came out, so it's it was big enough for. It was pretty big, but it wasn't close to Joshua Tree. Joshua Tree just broke through everything, right? Yeah,
1: and uh, and for good reason, I think. Like for a mega album like this, it's it's not bad.
0: Mm-hmm. Although
1: there is one completely god awful song on it um, that we're not going to talk about, but uh, I think "Bullet the Blue Sky" is terrible. It's like you two trying to do. Led Zeppelin and Bono and so, at his worst, like, preaching. But it's the song they do in tour all the time, yes, right? Yes, they've done it every single show, I think, since The Joshua Tree. I don't get it. Like, I think we've talked about it before. I think there are songs that, some songs that the bands themselves like for whatever reason, love for whatever reason, that I listen to, I'm like, yeah, Why? I kind of like that though. I, I kind of—I I bet there's a lot of people who say why,
0: and
2: they're just like, "Fuck you! It's our—it's our tour. We're gonna play what we want to play."
1: It was pretty funny when I saw them on this tour uh, when they started that song. You saw a mad dash for the bathrooms. <laughs> so I'm do not they, the only one.
2: Do they always follow it with running to stand still, or is that just for the Joshua Tree?
1: Um, just for the Joshua Tree, they—they they did that on the uh, Octune Baby, Baby tour too. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, mostly running the standstill, I don't think has been played for a long time live. So Um, anyway, yeah, I don't I don't understand that song. Why why they decided it was the one song they'd always play. But I guess to be fair, they've probably played with or without you just as often. But um, yeah, yeah. So this was you were like, what, probably 13 when this came out, I guess.
2: Yeah, I didn't listen to it till later. I didn't listen to it when it first came out for sure.
1: Yeah, I think it's like it definitely plays to their strengths. Um the uh the guitar sound is there. Like they they always had their own sound. I think you have to give them that. Um
2: Yeah, the the first song, are we going we're going to talk about one of the songs the where the streets have no name, right? Is, yeah, yeah, that'll the be the first one. Um and that that sound is—it's definitely a U two sound. That the, the beginning of the song with that little—I don't even know how to describe that, except for a two sounding guitar at the beginning of the song. That kind of comes at you from a, from
1: a distance. Yeah, all that echo and delay on it. Yeah, yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, and it's like this was when I don't know what happened to Bono, like because they. They were huge at this point, but he could still write good lyrics. And, like, as time has gone on, he's just gotten more and more um, Hallmark Cardi with his lyrics, I, I feel like. Um, but I think if you, like, actually read the lyrics to this album, uh, they're pretty good. Like, he took some time and put some intelligence into them. Um, what really surprises me about joshua
2: tree and and something i didn't realize because i thought they kind of grew up in it but that joshua tree is the first time that they uh investigated or really got deep into like blues and and just all kinds of like things other than punk and i i just thought that they grew up with that and that's how it came into the music but apparently between unforgettable what's what's the album before this unforgettable fire yeah between unforgettable fire and joshua tree bono and 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 I guess a couple other people just got deep into into this stuff and they decided to put it more into their music, which is interesting.
1: Yeah, more America, American music in general, although not just
2: not just American, but like Irish folk stuff they talk about that they didn't really pay much attention to it before before this.
1: Yeah, which is funny, because when uh, I saw them on this tour before they came on, I guess they did this on on every night like it wasn't just when i saw them they they played a pogue song right before they came on um yeah but then it's still filtered through their sound like you're not going to mistake them for a blues band no but
2: i i just i'm just really surprised by that because i i just thought they had you know how some musicians just they know everything and but i mean they grew up knowing everything like just trying to listen to everything they could and it just sounds like uh, these guys weren't like that. And I find no. that really interesting because they're able to to assimilate it so quickly to make it seem like they w- already knew it.
1: Yeah, yeah, and, yeah, because they've got, like, a couple songs with harmonica and stuff on it. And, yeah. And, and uh, yeah, no, I think they, they definitely, when they started out, were into, like, the punk and post-punk stuff. Mm-hmm. Right. Mostly, which, you know, same with me for, you know, um, I mean, I I knew other stuff, too, but... Um, like a lot of the music I listened to as a teenager was like had no blues roots. Like it was, it was all definitely from, well, I guess Chuck Berry had blues roots, but you know, it was all like fast and driving and you new. Know, yeah. uh, which is what I think U2 was like. If you listen to their first album, Boy, it's definitely. You can tell the, the punk influence, although it's you would never mistake them for punk, but mm-hmm. it was in there. But yeah, but Where the Streets Have No Name, um, one of my all-time favorite U2 songs. It's just like, I don't know, the way the music just kind of swells and, you know, it's it has emotional resonance, even though Bono kind of like always tends to overstate his case. Um, with his vocals but i think it's effective on this album um, because the music works for it too like it's Mm -hmm. musically it's a good album there's like i said that one real dud and then you know a couple songs you're like oh that's that's fine um but otherwise i think it's it's really strong and uh like you said the the american influences being brought in because on the unforgettable fire it was definitely that was like a european sounding album right um, but it it added something. Although um, I also think they were wise to abandon it after uh, Rattle and Hum, which was nowhere near as good as this album, um, and go yeah, back to their European roots. Wasn't
2: uh, the was Octung Baby? Be- what was what's
1: comes after Rattle and Hum? It's really good, whatever Tung, it is. Octung Baby, yeah, that's what. Yeah, I was, I, they yeah, went back great. to their European roots. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. on that one. Um, but yeah, where where the streets have no name. Uh, I mean, everybody knows this fucking song, but it's like I can still listen to it today, and it's not something I'm sick of. Like a lot of stuff from that era. Uh, You want to play it? Sure. Let's do it. Big surprise, With or Without You, well, my first pick, I'll do another one, um, which I remember the first time I heard this, because the single came out before the album, so um, I was like, wow, that is that sounds like Joy Division, kind of, at the top of the charts. It's really weird. It didn't sound like <laughs> U2, what they'd done before, necessarily. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, listening to it now, I'm like, it's a good fucking song. I'm impressed. I, it holds up. Um,
3: as what a lot I, of this I, album
1: does. Sorry, go ahead. I
2: like ahead. No, what I like about a lot of the songs on this album, this one included, is when you read the stories behind it and how it came together, it, it's all this chaos. It's not like we knew what we were going to do and this is exactly what we did. Like This one, they say they started working on it and the producer started to go do something else and this happened and this happened and it finally got together and it worked. I I like that.
1: Yeah, I think from what I've read, the way they record, I don't know if they probably didn't always have the luxury of doing this, but the way they record is they just, like, get together and jam and come up with ideas. Like, they don't have songs written out before they, you know, before they arrive. Um, Which
2: seems to be okay with the band members, but the producers aren't necessarily happy about that. Yeah, that's
1: what they've, like, that one album, they did a, really awful album in 2009, um, No Line on the Horizon, which I think it had multiple producers because some of them just got pissed <laughs> at them fucking around. That, actually, that album also has, like, co-writing credits from Brian Eno on a lot of songs. Um, anyway, we're not talking about that, thank God. But With or Without You, um, a very weird number one hit single, when you think about it. Like, it doesn't sound like what you would expect at the top of the charts in '87. It's very, it's very dark and brooding. Like I said, got kind of a Joy Division feel. It's kind of minimalist in a way, but also it's got a lot of shit going on in it musically. Um, and that his guitar is somewhat restrained, and it's almost like just there for color. Um, and the vocals are really good. I i don't know what else to say i mean everybody really knows this song even if they don't know uh where the streets have no name but
2: uh, I, I, I feel like I'd, they could have had a three-song album and it would just be just as historic mm-hmm. <laughs> just the the first three songs are so amazing yes yeah. Right,
1: this- yeah and and uh i still haven't found what i'm looking for and, and this one were both number ones i feel uh well oh, Streets Have the street. Name should have been number one, too. Oh, but... it,
2: I'm surprised it wasn't, because that is, you know, that's one of the songs that I think of when I think of U2. Yeah, me but too. Because like, I, I had it on the tape, and I listened to it a, a ton of times.
1: I think but yeah, it's this is funny. It's like the culmination of their sound, that that song. like Right. Uh, that one, and maybe like I will follow from early on, but this one is definitely where, like if you, if you ask me for an example of the U2 sound, I would play... Uh, where the Streets Have No Name. Um, and But yeah, With or Without You is kind of an anomaly for them. Uh, it, it did kind of set a precedent, too, that I don't think was necessarily great, where I think that after the success of this song, they kind of tried to do a big arena ballad on every album, which didn't always work out. Um, but this is the best of them, I think. Uh, you so want... you, no, go ahead. It's,
2: fu- it's funny. I, I guess it is a ballad. I just don't think of it as one.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, well, because it's not like sappy. Like I said, it's got that darkness to it.
2: Yeah, it's, it just doesn't feel as boring. It's no, it's often. Yeah, do. it's
1: it's not boring. It's no, it isn't. One that's, at all. like emotionally engaging, um, and the like, and you give yourself away as kind of you know an ambiguous statement that you kind of understand and kind of don't um, what he's trying to get at. But I always like ambiguity. So uh, here for the millionth time. Everybody, let's listen to With or Without You. song another one of my picks uh, i went with a album track rather than a hit um, running to stand still just because it's another this one is definitely a ballad um, but it's a ballad about heroin addiction so
2: and it's this is a song i never had a reason to i just didn't think of it but reading about where it came from is is pretty interesting the the uh, the public housing in dublin that they're talking about in the song and the, just the I never heard the, the term "running to stand still" in the first place, so it's it's pretty it's pretty interesting to read about it.
1: Yeah, I, I I mean I don't know much about it beyond the heroin addiction thing. I mean, it kind of sounds a little Lou Reedish, maybe. That's um, just because there's
2: heroin involved.
1: Yeah, probably that's all. <laughs> but you know, like something like "Perfect Day" or something. Like it's very sparse, just piano and. Um, well, I mean, there's bass and drums too, but not really any edge sig- signature guitar sound on this one and uh, Bono playing harmonica at the end and speaking of harmonica there's another song um, called Trip Through Your Wires which is probably the most Americana-ish sounding song on the album um, that also has harmonica that I really like like it's kind of a trifle but it's it's fun and energetic um, and I almost went with that as an album track that or Red Hill Mining Town uh, which follows this one which is also a really great song but uh but yeah i went with this one this one always i don't know i like the mood of it i guess I, I think it like really fits the lyrics the music which is uh which is impressive to me and and just the i don't know the sadness of it appeals mm-hmm. to me um and i think it unlike bullet the blue sky where he just sounds super preachy especially with that spoken word part this one he sounds like sympathetic and empathetic with uh with the heroin addict uh which elevates it above something like bullet the blue sky or a lot of their more political things you know i I, like i like sunday bloody sunday but it is kind of strident uh and this doesn't do that any final thoughts on this song no you just play it yeah let's play it here you go
0: Listening.
2: Oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, you go ahead. Uh, listening to this album reminds me of uh, when I was in Dublin. I, I guess it was like it was ninety uh, something, like, like ninety six or ninety seven. So you know, a year before this album came out in so my like mind. Thirty but, years ago. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I was walking, just looking for stuff to do, and I, and you know, it's the first traveling I ever did by myself. <clears throat> and looking back on it now, it's kind of a proto. Prototypical typical traveling trip because I just kind of walked around and did nothing, which is exactly what I like to do when I travel. But one of the things my little Let's Go Dublin guide had was go to the studio that U2 did their recordings. And like I said, I was never a huge U2 fan, but I appreciated their music. And I happened to have a, like a, a Walkman. That included Joshua uh, Joshua Tree tape. I don't. I think it was a mixtape with a bunch of different YouTube stuff. But I remember specifically looking for the studio, not not knowing having having any idea where I'm going and getting there and finding it and then walking back and realizing when I as I as I walk back where I'm I'm not knowing where I'm going and the street signs didn't exist. I was like, well, this is perfect. I still haven't found what I'm looking for, and the streets have no <laughs> name.
1: Oh, that's awesome! Yeah.
2: See, and it was pretty cool. Like the there's people just kind of tagged
1: the entire street that the, the studio was
2: on. So it was pretty neat.
1: I think, yeah, that's cool. Um, I do wonder, like, if I had been 10 years older, like I was when, uh, okay. Computer came out when the Joshua tree came out. I wonder if it, if I would have been as into it. Like, I think there's definitely something about being 17 and like hearing this music that resonates with you. Like, Especially if you're you know you're trying to figure shit out and thinking about justice in the world and stuff um
2: I don't know i i I feel like this is an all ages kind of thing it's not
1: yeah it's it's a strong album it's
2: yeah, yeah, I think even at any age when you hear this it's just, it is super strong and it it has universal themes
1: yeah yeah no i I think you're right um and you know. I don't mind anthems, for the most part, uh, as long as they're not, like, hard rock Aerosmith shit. Uh, yeah, so I, like, this kind of, to me, like, you know, Husker Du was, their songs were, like, anthems, too, just on a smaller scale. Like, I have that corny part of me that likes this kind of stuff, um, and I don't like feel guilty about it or anything so i no. yeah, i think this always would have appealed to me you're right um but especially as a teen it did yeah um but anyway uh, what else do you need to know about the joshua tree nothing
2: is it just one tree
1: yep there's only one that's why it's called joshua tree national monument forest of the wildlife preservation act um kind of stupid to
2: do all that for a tree, but... They chopped it down on on, uh, January 27th, so there's actually no trees now.
1: Yeah, they should call it the Joshua Stump. Just change the name. Yeah, uh, they even have a song on the album called One Tree Hill. Gotta be about (laughs) Joshua Tree.
2: I thought it was about the TV show. Oh, yeah. I'm sure.
1: They they saw the future. They knew it was coming. Uh, It's actually about A friend of theirs who died. So cheerful. Way to bring it down. Yeah. They also have a song, "Exit," about a uh, serial killer on this album, which is weird subject matter for them. Uh, When they played it on this tour, they started, they lit it off before they started the song with a, I guess a film from the '50s, that had a character named Trump, who was like a, (laughs) a bad dude who was trying to build a wall around <laughs> this town. It was really weird. Um, but anyway, enough with the Joshua Tree. Let's move on to the future, which is actually the past. But uh, we will talk about Radiohead OK Computer in just a moment. Take a break.
0: We had a comrade... A brave comrade, he could talk for whole days But then he tried to be a hero Tried talking about Shamira To computers wearing earphones He almost died from conversation Hallucinations, good vibrations Van Dyke parks, greyhound racing steeple chasing
1: Radiohead, OK Computer, celebrating its 20th anniversary. Uh, You woke? I is woke. Um, Now, 20 years
2: ago is obviously... 1987.
1: Yep. Oh, no, you were thinking 2007. Is that... No, that's that's ridiculous, because that's easy to figure out. You just
2: take a one from the zero, and you get ten. That's obviously ten years ago my bad. I guess 1997 is some kind of time warp where it exists as 20 years ago and 30 years ago at the same time
1: oh yeah just like in that movie uh wall street yeah this so this album i guess this was like their big breakthrough i mean i know they had creep as a single which was big but like this sounds nothing like creep this was i guess a change in direction for them um personally i never cared for creep so to me it sounded like just generic alternative at the time which i think it still does actually um kind of like you could have told me it was like stone temple pilots or something i would have been like yeah okay uh but this album is something different and uh i don't do you have any anything you wanted to say about it the album overall like were you did you listen to it when it came out
2: no, it was it was Napster. I found it and
1: I liked it, but it was a few years later. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, when cuz Napster was like 99, I guess. Um, yeah. Yeah, it was like 99 or
2: 2000. It. 99 or 2000 is when I heard it. Did did you hear it? Did you, is it something you picked up right away or is it was until a few years later?
1: I honestly don't remember. I think it was probably like you. It was like a Napster thing for me. Um, it was weird. Uh, I found when I was on Napster, um our friend uh, Sue Dunim, not her real name, obviously, um, somehow, like, she she was grabbing some of my music and she was like, you have a really good collection. And I was like, oh, yeah, and we started talking and found out we it was each other like we didn't know. Um, but
2: the funny thing is, for many years, I knew her as Sue Dunheim because I didn't put together the, the <laughs> clever wordplay
1: she used. Yeah, that's like uh, David Bowie's... Aladdin sane. I didn't get that wordplay until probably ten years ago. Um, but just got it. Yeah, I know. Uh, anyway, yeah. So this album. So to me, I don't know. I have a weird relationship with Radiohead. Like, I can appreciate it, uh, but it's not. It's not music. I want to listen to a lot like it's mood music I guess and and this to me I like they're kind of like uh modern day Pink Floyd almost oh let's let's not be so cruel well they're not that bad but like
2: this album I I feel like listening to this album after the U2 album I don't mean to step on your thought I just the U2 album is filled with emotion and this is The emotion in this album, which I love. I love this album. There really isn't a lot of emotion. It's all put on. It's all technical proficiency to create emotion, which is is interesting. I don't know if that makes sense, but that's how I feel listening to it, especially compared to you two, which is like the emotions
1: on the sleeve. On the sleeve, for sure, yeah. Yeah, this is, I mean, to me, I'm making the Pink Floyd comparison because it's kind of like prog rock, um, indie prog rock, like an update of it, You know, they like a ton of these songs have like tempo shifts and they like go off into different directions, and there's like it's really a lot about the sound.
2: Yeah, the first song we're going to talk about has like seven songs in one exactly, not that many, but it, it shifts all over the place. But each time. It's it's kind of an awesome fun shift. I think well, Paranoid Android I think is one of my is, is definitely on my like top list of favorite songs. I really like that song because because it, it starts off one way, it goes another way, and it goes back to a different
1: way. It's just it's just so fun. Yeah, it it starts off like almost kind of folky, but then it gets like techno folky, <laughs> and then it yeah. like kind of gets into a Nirvana crunchy <laughs> yeah. rock part, and then a piano bit. Yeah. Um, so
2: when I say there the emotions and when you listen to it, you kind of feel like you feel emotional, but it's not, it doesn't come through in the lyrics or anything like that.
1: Yeah, no, no, it's very, uh, technocratic.
2: Yes. Um, That's that's a
1: good way (laughs) to put it, but impressive. Yeah. The only, it, it took me a long time, um, to get over his voice. And, you know, I don't generally have a problem with voices, but his is so whiny. And so like in contrast to the music, a lot of the time, um, that's being played. That I had a really hard time. I think that was my main stumbling block was Tom York's voice. Um, but I've gotten used to it. But this song, even though I think this is a great song, this song on this album is probably the biggest offender as far as like his voice not really matching with the music. Like especially oh, I, in the rock I, part. You know. I think it goes perfectly.
2: I think it just sounds great. But
1: whatever. No, no, I. Like I said, I love this song. Um but uh initially I think that, that really struck me. I was like he should have some more heft to his voice <laughs> on on this part and uh no no. It, it's just it was for me that was the the hardest part of getting into Radiohead was was the voice. And you know, I was a fan of Michael Stipe and Peter Garrett from Midnight Oil and stuff, so I'm I don't have a problem with weird voices necessarily. Um, But you're right, this song is like, and that's what I'm saying, it's like prog rock, like this almost could be yes or rush, but I mean, it's it's definitely got more of an experimental indie vibe to it. Indie rock, I mean, Um, it's not that it was independent, but like, obviously that's what they were listening to. I think um, I was reading somebody asked them uh, about this album and if it was influenced by prog rock and and tom york well, i guess the whole band was like no we hate all that shit i'm like well <laughs> you, i mean that's the cool thing to say but that's basically what you're doing like there's <laughs> nothing wrong with it you know if you're if you're doing it well any kind of music is fine um but yeah let's I, yeah well, I,
2: I just thinking of people talking about this all, album i saw a quick snippet from michael stipe about it where he's like um when we were alternative i think radiohead looked to us as things to do to not lose your voice something along those lines of kind of staying staying true to your alternative voice but being on a major label and that's that's what came out of okay computer
1: yeah i think i think they might have opened for r e m on this tour or maybe it was the the next tour um but they definitely what's did n- open for r e m what's what's uh, r e m in 97 <sighs> oh yeah, that's true. They didn't. They weren't touring in 97. Oh, yeah, they were. It was new, new Adventures in Hi-Fi. Okay.
2: That's kind of, a I mean, not the best R.E.M., but that's a pretty great show to be at.
1: Yeah, but I, I, the more I think about it, I think it might have actually been 99 for the Up Tour that uh, Radiohead opened for. Them. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Yeah, uh, well, uh, you know, Kurt Cobain said much the same thing. Like, R.E.M. was who he looked to for, like, how to do it on a major label and, you know, retain your integrity. Um, but let's listen to Paranoid Android. I'll, I'll try to get um, as many of the little movements in as I can, but uh, it's a long <laughs> this song, is, so.
2: Yeah, it's a six-minute song, so that's going to be tough.
1: Yeah, I'll, but you'll get a taste. Here is Paranoid Android.
2: So, yeah. After after you play that, can you put another song up? I'll, I'll give it to you. I just thought of this. One of the reasons I, I like this this song is because of the title, which is based on Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. And there's, I used when I searched for for this song, other songs popped up, and it's the first time I heard in its entirety a song from. Um, from Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy TV show, which is it's just, uh, the, the, the British dude who voiced the androids uh, doing like a, a spoken word song. And it's so stupid and fun. But anytime I hear Paranoid Android, I think of this song. So I just think people should hear a bit of it.
1: Yeah. What is it called?
2: Marvin the Paranoid Android.
1: Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Send it to me because I don't have it. But uh, yeah, I'll throw that in. Uh, here is Marvin the Paranoid Android. Right? Yep. All right. Here you go. All right, my song, I almost went with Subterranean Homesick Alien, um, because I really like that one, too. It's got, like, the bells and, like, cool textures. But then I went with this because it's also got really cool textures, I think. And I think his voice works really well, actually, on this song. Um, Exit music for a film, uh, which is exactly what it sounds like. (laughs) It would be perfect, like, closing credits music. Um, Don't you think
2: this song should be song twelve and not song four?
1: It sh- yeah, it should be the last song on the album. But you know, that's that's their that's their wicked sense of humor, Pat. They put exit music for a film as the fourth track. Um, yeah, I like I said texture. That's what this is all about, and it does sound cinematic, and um, it builds, which. They do a lot, um you know they they build and then go back down and uh but this one just kind of builds, and uh I just think it's really cool sounding I mean, you can say that about practically the whole record, yeah, um it's just the sound of this one for whatever reason appeals to me um you have any feelings about this
2: uh not really i it just makes it reminds me that one of the great things about this album is all the all the song titles are awesome. <laughs> That's
1: true. Yeah, let's, uh, let's give it a listen. Exit music for a film.
3: Sing us a song A song to keep us warm There's such a chill such a cheer.
1: Your pick for the final song we're going to talk about.
2: Well, One thing that occurred to me while listening to this again is, uh, is Coldplay. Always, people always talk about Coldplay wanting to be U2, but Coldplay kind of sounds like a watered-down version of Radiohead.
1: Yeah, I mean, Coldplay sounds like a watered-down version of a lot of people. It's true. <laughs> Um, and
2: I don't want to, I'm not trying to denigrate Coldplay because they have one song that anytime I, people denigrate Coldplay, I just bring up the Scientist and say, at least they have one song that everyone likes. You <laughs> like it, uh, right? Eh, eh. Uh, it's, it's just
1: not my thing. Like, the Scientist is a good song. I can, you know, usually like I can appreciate a Phil Collins song or a Hall & Oates song or what. like <laughs> I, I don't have, it just, the Coldplay doesn't do it for me for whatever reason. Um, I can
2: agree with Moose Coldplay, but I think the scientist scientist is above everything else. But anyway, uh, Karma Police, uh, this is—I think of the album. This is the most like catchy single, yeah, catchy, catchy, catchy thing, and it, it's fun to listen to, and it has great lyrics. Like what is it, I uh, when I'm the leader, or you're the first against the wall, or whatever that
0: is. Yeah, it
1: it, it is definitely the most catchy, and it um, like it's almost like psychedelic period Beatles-ish the melody um although that kind of shifts all over the place too um but but I, like I could see this actually on the radio as opposed to like Paranoid Android or X yeah Music for a film
2: aside from college stations I can't imagine Paranoid Android ever got on any any
1: airplay yeah no maybe in the UK um where they're more down with that kind of thing, but uh, you yeah, know, I, I mean, this is, to me, if you're gonna pick a song for a novice who knew nothing of Radiohead um, from this album, I would do Karma Police first because that's that's the easiest way in. I yeah, feel like yeah, yeah, um, uh,
2: that just airplay reminds me of I was in college and I really wanted to hear American Pie, so I kept calling it radio the local radio like music station that played classic rock. And I'd request it every night for I think I did it for like a week. And the person that I talked to on the phone was always like, "Okay, we'll put it on a list." And like after a week, the guy I was that I talked to finally told me the true He's like, "We're never going to play that. It's too long. There's no way we'll ever play that." I was
1: like, "Oh, I didn't know. Sorry." My question is, why the hell did you want to hear that song? I don't know. I like it. <laughs> I can't stand it. Um, I did that with the local, uh, the local. Well, it was like the alternative station back when. That meant something in the in the eighties and early nineties. Uh, but I kept requesting, um, calling up and requesting if you were a priest by Robin Hitchcock, and they're like, "Oh, I'll see if we have it. I'll see if we have it." Um, same thing for like maybe two weeks, and finally, when I requested it, he was like, "All right, we we bought it, so I'm gonna play it." Nice. Yeah. Awesome.
2: <laughs> Your ending is much
1: happier. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, not really. You didn't have to hear American Pie. So I- <laughs> Like it's a wash. I was uh, getting
2: ready for the movie in 10 years.
1: Oh, god damn, I was like, what movie? American Pie, and then I remembered what it was. Oh. I've never seen it. I saw it in the theater. Nice. You're always a, a groundbreaker. Because uh, Blair Witch Project was sold out. I think you got the better end of that deal. Blair Witch Project <laughs> I, I, was not that good of a movie. I agree. People went apeshit over that, and I, I yeah.
2: A lot of people went ape shit over the hype for it. That was the first like uh, viral marketed movie, and they did an excellent job of making it. Is this real? Is it not real? It's an, but then you go in to see it, and it's just not that good. It's kind of boring.
1: Yeah. Um, speaking of um, horror movies, did you ever see uh, Get Out? Have you seen that yet? No, I have to see it. It's yeah. great, right? Yeah, I really love Heard that. i nothing one. but great things. Um, and I really want to see The Big Sick. Uh, Kumail Nanjiani.
2: Oh, yeah. What's the... It's it's about... Oh, his girlfriend gets sick. Yes. Right?
1: Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, but it's gotten really good reviews. It, it opens wide uh, Friday, so... Uh... Man, TJ
2: Miller really ripped into the rest of the Silicon Valley cast. Did he really? Yeah. It's weird Hollywood reporter or variety. One of those, you know... Uh, Magazines that interview. It's more about. Anyway, he's just like he's talking about Middle Middle Ditch, and he's like, he's always wanted to be a star, and he's like, they're like, well, do you talk to Alec Berg, who's the the showrunner, the head writer, or something like that? He's like, I don't care for him, so I never talk to him. It's just like he's burning all these bridges.
1: What is his problem? I mean, I know he He is leaving the show, but Thomas Middle Ditch seems like a cool. Cool I don't even get that. Like. Yeah, he wants to be a star. He's in show business. (laughs) Like, isn't that all your goal? What? What the Uh,
2: fuck? But it's it's hard to read the article and tell where he's like making a joke and where he's being serious. So maybe he's just joking about that. I don't know. But it's really he doesn't come across well because if he's trying to be funny, it's not especially funny.
1: That's always been my problem with him. I see him on uh, talk shows, and he always like tries to do some preconceived bit that he's come up with, and it usually doesn't work. Um How do you stand up? Have
2: you seen stand up? Is that any good?
1: I haven't seen it. Um but I will say that I think Thomas Middleditch is much funnier than he is.
2: Oh, by far. on, on <laughs> all different even when he does this the the TV ads, he's funnier than TJ Miller. <laughs> um, you don't you don't get commercials, so you don't see it. he's he has like four different commercials he's on constantly. One's I, I think a credit card and he's also in the No, I, I think one may be Middleditch. Uh, yeah, I've yeah. never
1: seen him in a commercial that I, to my he, knowledge. He, he's like the star of the, maybe
2: it's Verizon, one of the, some some big corporation. Oh, I have he, seen that one, yeah. And then he's also the checkout per, clerk for the American Express. Oh, here's a little ad for American Express because they need it from the small podcast. What, that Tina Fey is in, and he's the, the oh, he, he right,
1: was, Yeah. So. Speaking of uh, people who are in commercials, um, but on the other end of the spectrum, because he really annoys me, Chris Hardwick is, uh, is becoming, also, yeah, and he's becoming more and more ubiquitous. Uh, this past weekend, he put together his own festival up here. It was a comedy and music festival, and uh, it I, sounds so disdainful. I, it sounded
2: like there's some good stuff. There's a mystery science theater. Uh, retro. I don't even know what they did, but I think Will Wheaton was a part of it. Yeah, so
1: I, I mean that's cool, but I I don't know. I wish I wish he wasn't involved. I he's he just annoys me so much. I know it's my own problem, but uh, Oh, he annoys
2: me too, but I haven't listened to his show for a long time so it's it's not as strong as it used to be. I've I've heard really good things about his game show that I, I've come out on hating, so maybe I'll try it again. The what is it called?
1: The Points One
2: Oh, at midnight? At midnight. I've heard good things depending on the guest, so That's what I
1: more. I haven't watched that forever either. Um probably since we did the podcast yeah, it just you pointed out that they were like just punching down, basically. At which, once you said that, I was like, oh yeah, that that's not cool. But you know.
2: Oh right! I forgot that's a part of that show. Yeah.
1: Yeah, but you know, Paul of Tompkins is on it, or yeah, has and he's been, on and, some... yeah, so he's no uh, has been. Come on. With the right guests. Uh,
2: Speaking of things I've tried again, I I, I watched more of the Paul F. Tompkins Will and that cartoon on Netflix uh, with oh, the horse. Oh,
1: BoJack Horseman.
2: Jack Horseman. It's still it's still not hilarious, but at least it's interesting. Like the first episode I didn't care for at all and I watched more of it and it's I I haven't laughed out loud at it, but I at least it kind of like you know, makes me almost smile.
0: Okay. So it's not as bad as I
1: thought it was. i I mean, I'll give it more I I really didn't care for that first episode either, but I I should give it more of a try. Um anyway. Anyway We haven't even played Karma Police, Karma Police yet. Yeah. yeah. Um which I guess sounds like they're coming for T.J. Miller. Uh, Let's give it a listen. Here is Karma Police.
3: One, you yeah,
1: I think this is the best Radiohead album. Um, I, I know a lot of people like uh, some of their later stuff even more, uh, where they get even more experimental and very textural, um, like Kid A and and stuff. Uh, but in Rainbows, I remember like in it, Rainbows is I, really good. Yeah, um, but
2: I I don't think anything's close to this. This is awesome.
1: Yeah, it's. Uh, I don't i just keep saying like sonic textures and but like it's impressive to be able to do that kind of thing as well as they do here like well not it, only
2: are there sonic texture oh go ahead
1: it's not easy it's it's just like to create songs that have these kind of moods and tempo changes and stuff like i said and um just are all you know who's it's and what's it's Whooshing all around you, um, and to make it work, I feel like is is quite difficult. Like lots of people can just throw in effects and stuff, um, but to make it work as music as well as they do here, I, th- that's what really impresses me about this album.
2: Yeah, I was I was agreeing with you. I I feel like they there's albums out there that are sonically really interesting. And they do neat things with sound, but the song itself is never as good as Paranoid Android, which is a legitimately. In, in parts, rock and song, really. Yeah. So, and the same with Karma Police in a different way, where it's it has interesting sonic effects, and but it's also really catchy and poppy, really
1: catchy. The yeah, same and then time. it's another one, like at the end, kind of like Karma Police does, with, when it goes into the like Nirvana rockish uh, mode. Like at the end, it's got that like squelching guitar, mm-hmm. and, which is a favorite sound of mine. Uh, yeah, no, it's it's a great album, and I've you know. I've come to terms with my Tom York uh, ambivalence.
2: No, they had an album out recently, right? Or just a couple songs? Yeah, yeah they had
1: a new album, uh, Moon Shaped Pool, that came out last year, which is way into uh, mood territory. Like it's it's pretty like the tempos are pretty dirge-like on it. Um, but you know, I think like anything I, I... with them, once you get into it and give it some time, you'll appreciate it.
2: I'll have to listen to it. I've, the only thing I've listened to it is the, the single. The, I don't know if it's a single, but Burn the Witch is the only yeah, song from it. Yeah.
1: yeah, that's pretty representative. I mean, I think that's probably, the like Karma Police, the catchiest song on the album, if that tells you anything. so. Um, and it's definitely not as catchy as Karma Police. That tells me it's your opinion. You know what they say. Opinions are like assholes. They There's... both have the letter O in them. Yeah. checks out. Um, all right. Yeah, this was fun. We're going to do another, uh, similarly themed episode next. Yeah. Uh, 30 versus 20. And yeah, another 30 versus 20. And that will be, uh, that will be more on the alternative rock side emphasis on the rock than this one. Um, but yeah, it's nice to, it's nice to see that these albums both hold up. Um, Oh, yeah, they they both, yeah, it's like you I could, haven't listened to okay computer in a long time, I feel like,
2: and i I feel like with both of these albums, you could play them for I mean, not any kid, but just to, somebody who's into music in their like teens and twenties, and they
1: they would like both they get it, yeah, um yeah, no, I agree, so uh, go out and buy', them, everybody, I mean, or just use Spotify or Pandora. Well, you know, I feel like they need the money. Uh, Artists getting ripped I, off
2: these days. I mean, I I feel like, especially with YouTube 2 but the same with Radiohead, if they could have a few lean years, maybe it'll improve their music.
1: That's true. I I can't argue with that. Um, do you, I don't even remember if we talked about it on the podcast, but when U2 gave away that album, their last album, people were so pissed, and I didn't get it at all. Like, just delete it. And then yeah. I, I, like, I was talking to somebody, and she was like, but I don't know how to delete it off my phone. I'm like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> that's not their fault. Yeah, re- that's really on you. Um, yeah, sorry you had to get a free album that you could easily get rid of, um, but it seemed like a pretty cool gesture to me. Like, they didn't have, they didn't have to do that. They could have, they're you 2 they could have sold a shitload of, of those yeah. albums if they wanted. Yeah. So, anyway, um. That's off-topic. But on-topic is recommendations, Asians, Asians, Asians. This is going to be hard because we just did an episode. Not for me. Okay, let's see if it's what I think it is.
2: I think it is. Glow, new show from Netflix. I don't usually burn through shows very quickly, but that came out on Friday, and I'm, well, Friday from now is a, less than a week ago, and I'm only two episodes away from the end. It's awesome. It's really fun. It evokes the error perfectly without being like anachronistic or or just like hyping it up too much like some shows do it's funny it's really legitimately funny laugh out loud funny it's a it's a sitcom i guess but you know it's from the people who did orange is the new black and they call that a comedy and i don't necessarily think that is a comedy but this is if you like orange is the new black i don't know if you like this but this is much much better
1: oh it's way better orange is the new black is awful in my
2: and, opinion it's nice for Alison Brie to have a role. I mean, much like her character, a role where she can do everything she's good at. Like, there's there's some there's some dramatic bits in here that she masters, and there's the comedic bits that she's always.
1: She's great always, at. yeah. And so, shockingly, and, and, Mark Maron is good.
2: I, just, I was just going to say a chance not to be annoyed by Mark Maron. He's perfect in it. I mean, he's playing playing a creep, and he does it well, but. Yeah, he's he's really good.
1: It's Have you finished it? Yeah, yeah, I'm done. Um okay. we it it is super easy to burn through this yeah. this show. My only complaint, which is a mild one, um is that it can be a little hokey. Like they go so far into like <laughs> like the scene where they take um the the soap star actress, they take her to a wrestling match and she like, you know, it dawns on her. Oh, this is a soap opera. I get it. Like you <laughs> yeah. don't have to spell it out quite so much with everything and make everything such a big deal. Um, but that's a minor quibble. It's it's a fun show.
2: But I kind of thought that worked with that character
1: because she was definitely not. A, but in but any it's not way. just and, it's not just her. Like it's every yeah. every episode has something like that. But yeah, the uh, the actors are like uniformly great even that uh even the dude who plays the producer who at first you think this guy's just a douche um yeah he comes off sympath- sympathetic towards the end um from veronica mars no shit who was he on veronica mars
2: boyfriend the the college boyfriend the one in the movie He. oh shit i forget his name
1: but you know who i'm talking about right i do the, yeah
2: yeah the and dj i guess
1: speaking of veronica mars um have you
2: I haven't watched the finale yet of iZombie, but oh, okay. I'm really looking forward to it. Well, I liked
1: cause... I was going to say that the Veronica Mars dude um on that. Oh, was on... he in that or is that not until the end of the no, season? No, different. The uh Oh, yeah, he's good in it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he yeah. plays like the zombie major or whatever. Uh Oh, yeah, you got to watch the the finale yeah, I dude. Can't, um, I can't. wait. <laughs> and that is a show that like it's, Are we talking about Glow or iZombie? iZombie, sorry. Uh, it is more difficult to follow than The Wire. Like, Jesus Christ, every <laughs> week, like, I, it's probably because watch it week to week, but I'm like, wait, who the fuck is that? What's going on? What is this storyline? No, story they, but they bring people back, and they, they move them From, like, them season around. one, yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's great. Like, I love that oh. about it. I I am, like, shocked that it's not a bigger show. It's, It seems like it would be really appealing well, to a large number of people.
2: I think part of it is it's a genre show on the network, and maybe if we were on AMC, it would be more popular because they kind of specialize. I mean, I don't know the numbers that compare that compared to The Walking Dead, and The Walking Dead's a phenomenon. But I think it's—I I haven't seen enough Walking Dead to compare. But I, from what I've seen, I think it's a better show.
1: Oh, it's definitely a better show. I saw the whole first season of Walking Dead. Um, this one wins hands down, and I'm glad it's coming back. Uh, that'll be my second recommendation: iZombie season three. It's it's been able to maintain its greatness, um, through three, three seasons. So more than in you can fact, say of heroes or revenge.
2: Better. Oh, and you know, the, um, one of the complaints I had a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about it, where we said, I said this season, it seems like she's deeper into the, the zombie brain personality than she was in previous seasons. And, it was, legit, it was a complaint, and then you mentioned one episode where it was worse than others, and it was, but I don't think it was that much worse. I think it's just been bad the whole season, but there's an explanation for that later in the season, which makes me so happy. Something I complained <laughs> about they, they recognized. Yeah, they understood. So cool. Um, but the, not that they recognized, but they did it on purpose. It was, it was a conscious – so it wasn't my imagination. It wasn't them trying to, to make the show more gimmicky. It was right. The they the, weren't doing a Flandersization. Yeah. Yeah. So it was, That was pretty cool.
1: And uh, speaking of shows that just recently ended, you uh, watched the last episode of Veep? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, like, We talked, I think, off air last week about um, how this season was kind of depressing, and, and I agreed. Um, but I like the way it ended. At yeah. Least. Like, now they've brought the team back together. Brought the team back together. and
2: Although, it looks like they got rid of Mike. There's Which no way they're getting hilarious. rid of Mike. Yeah, there's no, no way. They did. I mean, we'll see what happens. I don't mean off the show, but maybe he'll be
1: doing something else next season. I can't, I feel like he's going to be back in the fold quickly. Um, yeah, Leon's going to quit.
2: <laughs> I love that Leon's in his role. And then how they subtly set it up in the, the past three episodes where he's getting pushed out of the post. And Man, that was a
1: that was oh, nicely Leon. done. I, and they're going to have um, so there will be a presidential race between two of the shittiest candidates you can imagine Um, so
2: do you think that they're gonna like just skip time and say this is the election time are they gonna
1: have a year where they're just prepping for the election i hope they're not gonna do all election prep for a whole season um uh, also because i feel like i mean i guess this could run indefinitely but really there's got to be an end point um
2: and when she loses again,
1: <laughs> can you imagine her? Imagine her losing to the person who's decided to run. I won't spoil <laughs> anything, but anyway, um, yeah, good. We got our recommendations out of the way. So uh, thanks for listening to us chat about our favorite TV shows with each other and ignoring you, the listener, altogether. Right? We
2: don't, we sp- don't know that their favorite show is not Glow or uh, I or Veep.
1: We kind of do. It should be glow. Write to us at popculturecontinuum at gmail.com Like us on Facebook.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Rate us highly on iTunes. Girl.
2: And most importantly, tell your friends to listen.
1: Indeed. Uh, Yeah, we'll be... The next one will be a similar episode. So if you love this one, as you should... um, you got more of the same coming up next week.
2: And send us messages at pop with gmail.com if you can figure out what the 20 plus 30 your albums are. And you'll win a prize. You will win a prize.
1: My undying indifference. So. I think they already have that.
0: Until then, goodbye everybody. Goodbye.